Blog Talk Radio. This is Kale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Romero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. It's Tuesday, March 2nd, 2010. It's 10 p.m. in the east, 7 p.m. out west, 9 p.m. here in Texas. And I've got a great guy on the phone. You know, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to dive right in. You know, I guarantee you, if you've turned on a television set at least once in the past 30 years, you've seen my guest tonight in action. He's had pivotal roles on such primetime hits as The Facts of Life and Murphy Brown and Popular, and he's appeared in various films and theatrical ventures, but he's no doubt most fondly remembered for his iconic Emmy-nominated work as dastardly charming rogue Craig Montgomery on As the World Turns. He's recently shifted his attention behind the scenes, working as a director and producer uh, of a new online project entitled Steamboat, and he's come by the buzz tonight to tell us all about it. You know, I've been a big fan of this guy for longer than either of us would care to remember, I'd wager, and it's an enormous thrill to introduce you to the terrific, titanically talented Scott Bryce. Hi, Brandon. How are you? Thank you for that intro. That was wonderful. (laughs) I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm good. I think you're right, though. I think it's far too long than we care to remember. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking that today. I, I can't. I literally can't remember my life without you in it, even on the periphery. It's that's scary, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the five people who don't know, let's set the table here. Give me the 60-second bio on Scott Bryce. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? I was born in New York. Uh, born in New York City. I'm four generations in show business. We go back. My great grandfather was a juggler in the circus. My grandfather was Whitey Maine, and he handled uh, Mae West and the Marx Brothers in vaudeville. My grandmother worked for the Mayor Boys, and uh, uh, my mother found Dorothy Bryce founded the Greenwich Muse Playhouse in New York, where she hired my father, and that's how they met. Holy cow! Fell in love. My dad was probably best known as Bill Bauer on The Guiding Light, which he played off and on for thirty, I don't know, decades. Five members of my family have been on As the World Turns: my mother, my father, my brother, my wife, and myself. <laughs> so I guess we were told like we're the Barrymores of daytime, which is kind of funny. And. Uh, now I live in Westport. Uh, both my parents have passed. My mom, her last film was called Glacier Bay, which is a incredible, wonderful comedy about Alzheimer's, believe it or not, a very tough subject to make funny, and yet it was a very moving, wonderful piece, and it's racked up a bunch of awards, and she won the Best Actress Award at Breckenridge Film Festival, which is kind of a lovely feather in her cap at the end of her life. Fantastic. So this crazy showbiz life has always just kind of been normal for you. Yeah, I mean, I was raised in it. It's what I know. My wife is an actress, Jody Stevens. 
she's a, she's really a Broadway actress. She was in the original company of Jekyll and Hyde and then closed the show with David Hasselhoff. She was in Urban Cowboy, and now she's just about to start rehearsals for a new musical that's going in off-Broadway called Chevalier and Dietrich, and she'll be playing Marlena Dietrich. Okay. And my son Jackson just did his first extra job on a movie called The Witches of Oz, which will be released next year. So, yeah, it's, I guess it is our normal. And we're, we're carrying on the family tradition, it sounds like. I guess so. I mean, we, we were thinking, you know, I was forbidden from acting until I was 16. So our theory with Jackson, my son, is that we'll force him to memorize all of Shakespeare by the time he's 10. And, that, and then I'll tell him that he has a moral obligation to be an actor to continue the family tradition. And God willing, he'll be a veterinarian. So that's what we're hoping. <laughs> You know, I, I caught you on my friend Novell's show a while back, and you were saying at that time, I can't remember the exact quote, but you were saying that with this, you know, this sudden explosion of new media, that it's like the Wild West all over again, and that the Internet has, has opened things up again to such a wild degree that the power has gone back into the hands of the creative people. And, you know, now here you are taking full advantage of that very idea with this new thing, Steamboat. Yeah, Steamboat's a wonderful, I mean, it was a great project. I've been a, I've been a producer-director off and on. Well, first of all, growing up in the business, my father... And mother made instilled in us very early not to just be an actor. My father would say, if you're just an actor, you're a victim waiting for a job. And this is show business with the emphasis on business. So be a businessman. And I was raised that way. Wow. So I had to do everybody else's job before I could act. I've done, you know, set construction, electric, grips, makeup, wardrobe, box office, parking lot, concession, I mean, everything. And then finally hit the stage so you have a real sense of everybody's job in it. And how you fit that's paid off. Right, and that, that we're a brushstroke, we're not the painting, you know, and it puts an actor's ego in check. I mean, let's face it, we, we are notorious. And we even have some jokes about that in Steamboat. So then I started working at Palace Digital Studios here in Connecticut, founded by Chris Campbell, who's uh, he's on the board of directors of Connecticut Public Television. He's an amazing guy and mentor. And uh, I've been producing a lot of corporate stuff, and we, uh, last two years ago, we produced a a film called Young American Heroes, the Frederick Douglass story with Jamie Hector from The Wire and Heroes who played Frederick Douglass. And so I've been doing a lot of that off and on over the years. I just did a, a recent stint back on World Turns for a short term, which didn't work out, and that was fine. Uh, then in the last, like about six months ago, Michael O'Leary got in touch with me. Now, oddly, Michael's character, Rick Bauer, was my father's character's grandson. So we're sort of related by television. So Michael said, I got this idea, and I've been toying about something similar to this for a long time. And Michael brought me the script, and I just started laughing right away. And I went through a couple of story <clears throat> changes and title changes. And then the amazing Beth Chamberlain, who is truly geniusly funny in this, uh, came on board as story consultant and started to work with Mikey as I was developing on the producer end. So we called in a lot of aces and got our friends on board, both cast and crew. Mikey took care of the script and the cast, and I took care of facilities and the crew and the production. And we put Steamboat together, and we just started releasing it. I guess February 21st was the first release of the show. And already we are the number 10 most subscribed web series comedy on YouTube, which, if you consider the amount of material, that's pretty amazing that we've sure. risen that fast in like two weeks. That's incredible. So we've got well over 10,000 hits, 2,000 subscribers, lots of fans, but people are howling at it and really getting humor. And so for those who so haven't seen it yet, what's, what's, the, what's the idea? What's the driving 
kind of concept behind behind Steamboat? Well, it was the it's the office meets all my children with a behind the scenes look at the dying days of a of a soap opera of what was once an institution which is now dying, which is not only what's been going on with daytime and the world, but again, it, it, the show serves as metaphor for everybody. I mean, we're all experiencing there is a titanic shift, in le- and unless you've been hibernating, you've been subject to it or been completely oblivious. I mean, our, our, all industries are changing. People are trying to find their way in this new media. The paradigm has shifted, but we don't know yet what's replacing and I do believe that the powers turned back to the creators, and we took advantage of that in the sense that there aren't gatekeepers the way there used to be. Absolutely. I mean, would my dream be to get this on broadcast television? Oh, absolutely. I, I, and I think it deserves it. I think it's very, very funny. But in the meantime, creators can go create something and put it out there and let the audience judge it. And that's a pretty remarkable thing. And there's a lot of uh, excitement in that. So as difficult a transition as this is for everybody and trying to figure out how to make a living while we're doing it. Absolutely. There is a a tremendous potential for creative voices to get through that would never have been heard before. That should be celebrated. You know, it's it's clear that you're heartened by this infusion of freedom that the Internet has afforded those who are talented and creative. And, you know, with things like with things like Venice and Gotham and your new show and, you know, all these other web series that have popped up in the past couple of years, is this the wave of the future or are we feeling our way towards something even bigger here? Well, I think that I think there's going to be a gigantic merge pretty soon. I mean, you know, I was think, looking at my smartphone the other day, wondering, you know, if I just plugged an HDMI cable into this to my 46-inch plasma screen, let's see what happens. I mean, we're getting really close to that. And what had all been very separate in terms of television, radio, the telephone, the internet, is all merging into into one access, and uh, that both incredibly exciting and wonderful, and at the same time remarkably diffusing. So it's going to be harder and harder to get, you know, 21 million eyeballs onto one thing. So it does open it up. And, you know, when I look at our fan list, I start seeing that we've got fans in Thailand, Singapore, and Hong Kong, and Brazil, and Syria, and Sweden, and France. I'm thinking, you know, well, that would have been absolutely impossible a couple of decades ago. You wouldn't even have thought of that. And now we have a global reach, and the entire globe can reach each other. As I heard Richie Haven say at a concert just about 15 years ago, he said, you know, the global village has just happened. It's just this moment where we're all interconnected. And it's going to be a pretty rough ride while we figure all that out. But at the end of the day, I think that's going to be an amazing tool, both for information and for creativity. So are, are you guys out to get a TV deal here with this, or are you happy to keep this as a web-based project? Look, Brandon, if somebody came to me with a TV deal, I'm not going to say, oh, no, I'm staying on YouTube. I mean, I'm going to, we'll, we'll leap at it. I mean, I actually think that Steamboat is a perfect fit for Comedy Central, for instance. Um, there's a lot that I think it shares with, you know, with, with Scrubs or Reno 911. I mean, it's that kind sure, of yeah. Yeah. really broad, funny humor. And one of the things that attracted me to it, you know, my tragedy cup is full. I think that, that the past decade, since 9-11, has been really brutal, and there's been nothing but bad news. And, you know, I'm a father. I have a beautiful son. I worry about that. I, I, I've gotten to the point where I have to just turn off the news. And I think that, that the world is in need of some good laughs. That's part what drew me to it. I mean, Michael O'Leary, who is a remarkable talent on the soap, and 
you know, played Rick Bauer for years, and he's an incredible daytime actor. But if you've ever met him or spend any time with him, you'll find out very quickly that he's one of the funniest human beings <laughs> on the planet. And so he came to me with this idea and to play the lead, and I couldn't resist it. We would just start to chuckle. And we started early on pitching it a little bit, and we had several meetings with offices in New York, and we'd leave, and people were very unsure of it. And that went on for a couple of months. And I looked at him, and I said, Mikey, let's just do it. I mean, we can just do it. The, the technology has gotten to the point where the budget can be low enough that the pilot, we can probably pull off. Let me call in some favors. I've worked with the crew that shot it for the past six years, so I had relationships with people. And the amazing thing was that when both Mikey and I put out the request, nobody said no. People came on board excited and looking forward to doing it. And i got to tell you, shooting it was one of the, the best experiences. We just laughed. I laughed all day. And if, and if we could make this happen regularly, we would be ecstatic. And the audience seems to be laughing as well. I mean, people are really responding to it in an amazing, in an amazing way. We're very humbled by it. It's absolutely hilarious. The, the first two episodes are up right now on YouTube. Episode three will, will uh, be released next Saturday. Okay. And then Excellent. we've got a few more after that. Excellent. And then after that, based on audience reaction, you're going to... Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, again, you know, it has to make financial sense. I mean, if, can I do it? Can we actually... People need to get paid. Actors need to get paid. These are union actors. We have a union deal. My crew needs to be paid. Facilities need to be paid. It takes a long time to do this stuff right. I mean, I'm very proud of the look of the show. It, it's very high-end. The graphics are great. The music is great. But that all takes money. Sure. And if we can make... If we can make it make sense, we'll continue to do it. If I can make it make sense even on a, a web series concept, yes, we'll, we'll have to figure out a, a budget of time as well to be able to do this with actors to allow them to be free to do other stuff. If we can get upgraded and it could turn into a Comedy Central thing, I, all of us would be ecstatic, of course. But, I mean, I can't imagine a, a more fun way to make my money than making ourselves and hopefully making other people laugh. Absolutely. It's funny. Tim Zimmer is just drop dead funny. Michael's hilarious. And, you know, Michael Park from As the World Turns, who most people know is an extraordinary dramatic actor who's also on Martha Byrne's show Gotham, which I love, and I'm an enormous Martha Byrne fan, both as an actress and as a human. She's a, a, a wonderful lady. And she started her thing before I did. It's, you know, a, a real breaking the way for it. Mm -hmm. But Michael, in, Michael Park in this with Michael O'Leary as a buddy team, I can't tell you. People are laughing. The, the feedback from fans are, oh, there's a new super couple. <laughs> As their dressing room sharing mates, it's very funny. And Michael Park is truly brilliantly funny. And uh, how funny that nobody ever knew that, because he plays such a straight-laced guy on As the World Turns. But well, it's so know straight. He's, but, you know, he's, a, he's a detective who's always in trouble with his wife. I mean, there's nothing but, you know, sobs and difficulty. <laughs> and to see him let, let it rip, it's just really funny. And he's... he's He's wonderful in it. The entire cast is incredible. I mean, Orla Cassidy, beautiful, and and that's really struck a chord with the entire gay community. We've, we've sort of indicated a little things about Orla Cassidy's role with Gwen. Tuck Milligan, who plays the line producer, who came into work, you know, the first day I didn't know what he was going to do, and he walked in looking like Andy Warhol, and I started laughing as soon as I saw him. I mean, you, you laugh at Tuck, you laugh at the opening credits. And then hopefully you laugh the rest of the show because, boy, it was fun to do. You know, I understand completely if you don't want to touch this one with a 10-foot pole, but, you know, talking about Venice and Martha and Gotham and 
steamboat. You know, the little conspiracy theorist who lives tucked away in a hidden corner inside my brain says that it's more than just a funny dink that the creators of these shows are all expatriates of the Procter & Gamble family. Well, let's see. Let's figure out a good way to fuel this conspiracy theory, Brandon. <laughs> we can get this going. Um, uh, it, I think it's the coincidence is only, I think, that the P&G shows are collapsing. And, you know, Guiding Light, an institution, was canceled. And then, as the world turns, not far behind it. Martha left as the world turns very shortly after I did under, I think, circumstances that were ridiculous and that they shouldn't have let her go. But they, they, let, they allowed her to walk away was a remarkable thing. And when I left, I knew that the show was in trouble and probably not going to make it. So it's not a surprise. And these are remarkably talented people who need to work. So these are creative, wonderful, smart people who then say, okay, well, now what do I do? Where do we go if the daytime structure is falling apart because it doesn't make financial sense to the network? I understand that. And let's try to figure out a way to keep the genre going. Because what is the genre? What's Grey's Anatomy except a soap opera with a lot of money thrown in it? takes place in the hospital. So the genre is still there and still valid. And telling really good human stories, I think, is still valid. The difference between us is that she's doing, she's doing that genre, that very serious, dramatic stuff, and doing it brilliantly. And I wanted to do something else. I just wanted to do something out of the box that made people laugh. And we wound up doing a spoof of the show. The location's perfect. And we get to vent our own little litany of resentment and do it in a way that makes people laugh and ourselves laugh. I can't think of a healthier way to do it. Given that you were there during the heyday and you were there for what, by all accounts, was the downward spiral of the show, I'm sure you have a million conflicting emotions about the cancellation of As the World Turns. Well, I do. I, I mean, I must tell you, I was very fortunate to be working back in the Doug Marlin days. I mean, Doug Marlin was one of the truly great romantic writers of all time. And actors were treated differently. I had meetings with producers and, and Doug monthly to talk about what are you, where are we going, what's the arc, what's the story going to be. The show had a different sensibility, but at the same time, there were also 15, 16 million viewers. I remember when they got down to like 9.5 million, we dropped below 10 million, and people were panicking. <laughs> By the time I left As the World Turns, you're talking about 2 million viewers, which yeah. means Dog the Bounty Hunter is beating you. That's really... Tough. And then there's this, like, scramble to kind of rearrange the deck chairs in the Titanic, thinking it's going to stay afloat without ever really solving the problem. And I think that the look of the show started to deteriorate very badly and that they started to shave off dollars. There was a great Teamster line I heard once from a guy in L.A. who's driving me to location, and I was late for location because they decided to cut a Teamster to save money. And the guy looked at me and said, yeah, typical Hollywood stepping over dollar bills to pick up nickels. <laughs> that just resonated with me forever, and I, and I think we often make that mistake a lot. So I didn't realize what had happened to the show when I came back. I, there was a 13-and-a-half-year gap mm -hmm. between my last appearance and the one I just did a couple of years ago. I was shocked. I, I, I was taken aback by what had happened. You know, God bless the producers scrambling to try to make it happen. I mean, regardless of my relationship with them not being good, they're still professionals trying to save a show. You bet. And Chris Galvin and his team tried to save a show, and it didn't work. We can discuss their strategies and whether or not that's sensible or not, but it's happening across the board, and it's all of daytime. It's a, it's a fusion. We have 
700 channels. You can watch whatever you want. And I don't know any family that's got a, a mother staying home raising the kids vacuuming anymore. I mean, it's a very different world. So new media is adjusting to that. And I think podcasts and short episodes. But I think we have yet to see a renaissance that will come of creativity as people adjust to it and get used to it. But the new generation, for instance, Brandon, they're not watching television anymore. You betcha. And America doesn't come home and turn on the TV. They come home and they turn on their computer. You bet. And they check their Facebook and their Twitter accounts and they post their own stuff. And in many ways, America is entertaining itself. <laughs> and as, as okay as that, that's really pretty brutal on those of us who have made a living entertaining America. So we do have to find new ways and we have to be less arrogant and assuming that, well, we're always going to have 8 million viewers because there's only five channels. Well, guess what? There's How many channels are there? How many people are there living on this planet? And if you want your creative voice to get through, you're going to have to be creative, and you're going to have to be smart, and you're going to have to use viral, and you're going to have to use social networking, and you're going to have to let a true democracy happen, which is if the fans like you, you'll live. And if they don't, you're going to be gone very quickly. And that's both good and bad for the creatives, but I think that's a more honest way to do it. You know, I think the other thing is you have these shows like Inside Edition and Extra and, you know, all these kind of infotainment shows who take these these real-life news stories and couplings and package them brilliantly as little soap operas so that, you know, you show up each day and you get a couple of minutes of, of John and Kate and a couple of minutes of Brad and Angelina and a couple of minutes of Tiger Woods. Right, and there's a new Luke and Laura. That is exactly right. And, and I would I would widen that net brand, and I think infotainment has unfortunately infected network news as well. It's very hard to actually get news anymore. I mean, I find myself flying around the news channels, and I land a lot on the BBC because I feel like they're still doing actual news. <laughs> it's hard to judge. I mean, you can't you can't get the whole story anymore. And with newspapers dying across the country and investigative journalists being laid off left and right, which I think is a real, not a good thing for our republic. I think it shows a great disservice. And I think freedom of the press was mentioned in the Constitution not so we could have Brad and Angelina story. It was really about protecting the bigger issues. And the bigger issues are being drowned out by a lot of noise. And I think that's going to be around for a while. But... As quickly as reality television went up, and notice how cheap it used to be, now you're finding out how expensive reality television is, and suddenly reality television stars are making the salaries actors used to make, and, well, why not just hire actors again, you know? And uh, I think good storytelling will come back. You know, I, I've, I've, I've kind of come in and out with, with world turns over the years, depending on what's happening story-wise, but I have to tell you, my show for the past 20-plus years has been One Life to Live. And you did a brief turn over there a few years ago playing a police psychiatrist. And, you know, I know you yeah, I had a wonderful time. I had a wonderful time. They're great people. I mean, I, I was only upset I didn't get to work with Hillary Bailey Smith, who had played my sister Margot for so many years. So we didn't get a chance to play together. But, boy, I had a great time. And it's, a, it's a wonderful family over there. And as well as, let me tell you, World Turns is out in the middle of Brooklyn near Coney Island. And One Life to Live is right near Lincoln Center. Can I say location, location, location? <laughs> so it was, a, it was an extra hour and a half shorter every day, and I had a great time. It was a wonderful time to to work on the show. I'm a little long in the tooth now for daytime. They're not giving out contracts to people my age. <laughs> but I had a wonderful visit while it lasts. You mentioned Hillary B. Smith. I, I, uh, this is completely off topic, but I have to tell you that I love watching reruns of of $25,000 Pyramid on Game Show Network. And if I'm not mistaken, I read years ago that you and Hillary – 
hold the record for the most money won by celebrities on that show, that you basically banked uh, We did, and, and we also pulled off the record uh, speed. The fastest time to the top of the pyramid was, <laughs> I believe, mine, or at least for that year. And the person that I did that with went on to win $100,000, which is really amazing. Wow. Hillary, the storyline is that Hillary and I, would we were in makeup office together because our scenes would be right after the first. So we'd sit in the makeup chair, and we'd turn the volume off, and we obsessively played the game. And finally, one of the producers walked by and said, well, why don't you guys just be celebrity guests on it? And we thought, well, that's a good idea. So we told them that we were interested, and they sent us like a little test. And they said, well, come in and do a little test. They were being very condescending. <laughs> and we blew the doors in, and they thought, oh, my gosh, actors who can read. <laughs> so uh, we, we were then on the show, and we, we, I did it several times. And I had a wonderful time. And Dick Clark, an amazing guy. You bet. It was a wonderful show. We raised a lot of money, both for the Native American College Fund and for the Boys Club of Greater New York. And we raised something like $85,000 in four days. Had an amazing time. It was really fun. So what's on the horizon for Scott Bryce? Any chance we'll be seeing you back in Oakdale before World Turns Raps later this summer? Absolutely not. But rumor has it Julianne Moore will be making a visitation. I read that this weekend. Isn't that funny? And I believe that is absolutely true, and I think that's a, a real that's a real nod to Julianne. That's like that says a lot about her. Right? She's a major movie star, but she has never forgotten her roots and doesn't poo-poo it. And I think it's coming back as a little nod of gratitude to the show and to the fans. And I just I really respect that. Absolutely. And I I, I think that's tremendous. So no, I've got Gossip Girl coming out, and I also just did a Thirty Rock. Uh, which will be coming out shortly as well. And other than that, my energies are really focused on Steamboat for the next couple of months to see if we can uh, have it continue. Well, I want to tell everybody one more time. It's Steamboat. It's found on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and, and uh, type in Steamboat in the search box, and everything will pop up, all the episodes. Actually, Brandon, they should type, they should type in uh, Steamboat Series into okay. the search box. Okay. They should type in Steamboat Series, and that will get them to them. Gotcha. Well, I tell you what, I've had so much fun talking to you this morning, and I've, like I said, I've been a big fan for a long time, and I, this was really a great thrill having you in here today. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me on your show, Brandon, and thank you so much for your support for Steamboat. We sure appreciate it. Absolutely. Before I let you go, could I get you to do a promo for my show? Absolutely. It would be my pleasure, sir. As long as it includes the words Scott Bryce and Brandon's buzz, anything else you say is totally up to you. Hi, this is Scott Bryce, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. It's the future of new media. Brandon's Buzz. Thank you, Brandon. Fantastic. Thank you so, so, so much. I really appreciate it, too. Thank you, sir. Call me anytime if you need anything. Will do. Thanks, Brandon. Take care. The magnificent Scott Bryce, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for March 2nd, 2010. Uh, Come on back next week. Lots of great stuff. You can find out what's on the show at two places, brandonsbuzz.com, my blog, and blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz, which is mission control for the show. Uh, from there, you can listen to the show. You can download old episodes of the show. You can send emails. You can leave comments. You can, you can do everything. It's mission control for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, again, you can also find me at brandonsbuzz.com, my blog. At the top of any page at brandonsbuzz.com is a blue button marked radio. You click that button. That takes you to a full archive of all episodes of this show. This is episode number 57. Uh, This and all previous 56 can be found in the radio archive at Brandon's Buzz. Just click on the blue radio button at the top of the page. I'm also on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Uh, Just type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box.
scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo. From there, you can download old episodes of this show as podcasts for uh, playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. Uh, so that's at iTunes, and I'm also on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm all over the Internet. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy. Great show. Check hey it out. Hey, guys. This is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi. This is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. So <laughs> if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Better when you live on a street of shame. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt.